And welcome back, everybody, to the House of Ballers podcast. We're here. We're doing it. Fifth episode. We got a lot of stuff to cover. We got uh, some big storylines from week two. Uh, we're going to uh, go into some games to watch for week three this Sunday. Uh, we got some big news coming out of the Pac-12. We got some postseason clinchers and baseball. Uh, we got a big retirement. We got a triple crown watch. We got a series watch. We got a nice baller of the week. Like it's 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 gonna be a crazy episode, you guys. So sit tight, cause we're cause we're going on a roller coaster ride, baby. This is gonna be fun. I'm excited. All right. First off, for, uh, some storylines from week two. Uh, I think first we have to start off with the bang and probably the most like notable thing that happened in week two, which was big injuries. Um, Saquon Barkley tore his ACL and is out for the rest of the season, which is, that's a monumental loss for not just my fantasy team, but for the Giants as well. I mean, the, the Giants are just going to be flat out bottom feeders this year, in my opinion. But hey, we'll, we'll see if, we'll see how Saquon will respond back. Uh, I also heard the story that like Saquon deleted all of his other posts on Instagram, except for one post. And what was that post? A picture of Kobe Bryant. He's already get he's already getting that Mamba mentality. So he's he's gonna be scary when he comes back. I just we we all just want him to be healthy because he's he's one of the brightest stars in football. And and you hate to see him injured. You hate to see anybody injured. But a, but but a caliber but a high caliber player like him, ah, it's a big loss. But we'll we'll see how he responds. I'm really excited for next season to see if he can um, come back with uh, with little to no injuries and do some amazing stuff. Now over to the West Coast, we're gonna go to the Niners. They actually played uh, across the river from my house, the MetLife Stadium, um, where four Niners were injured, including Jimmy Garoppolo, their starting quarterback, uh, Raheem Moster, who scored an 80-yard touchdown on the first play of the game, and he's got, when he turns on the Jets, dude, you might as well say goodbye, because He's he's automatically going in the end zone, but that's a big loss for them because they need because they need his speed and they need his uh, agility at that uh, in the backfield. And then probably the biggest one is probably Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, one of the brightest defensive stars in football right now, is has a also has a torn ACL, and 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 I think reports have said that he'll be out for the season. So, man, that's. That's that's big for the Niners, man. I hope uh, hopefully they can come back by uh, towards the end of the season and start stringing together some wins. But when you got Chase Mullins at the at the quarterback position, like that's just mm, doesn't 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 sound good. So Niners fans, I'm I'm, I'm I, f- I feel bad for you. I, f- I feel bad for you for the next couple of weeks, unless if you face my Cowboys. But anyway, um, the next injury we have is um, Drew Lock injuring his shoulder. Um, I think I think he's gonna be out for a while. I don't think it's gonna be the full season, uh, according to reports. I think it, I think it's gonna be out for I think he's gonna be out for a while. That's a big loss for Denver because I'm really high on Drew Locke and his potential. Like he 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 had the, he had the chance to be something great with that offense, and then um, Cortland Sutton. I think is all I think he's also out for the year. So those are two big offensive pillars that you lose. That basically de- derails their chances of kind of casually getting in that wild card conversation but yeah that, that's it for the injuries but on the on the bright on the brighter side we got some big big games um that happened last week and 
I two two of the biggest games were probably towards like the four o'clock and on, um, late window, and uh, the oh wait no actually never mind the Falcons and the Cowboys were on the one o'clock window my bad, uh, but anyway the uh, oh, man I when I was I was watching this game I was watching Red Zone on my phone like I was when when I when I saw when I saw the Cowboys down by like what it was at twenty in the first quarter that was. And, and then and then losing twenty nine to ten at halftime that was that was a problem, but honestly I don't know what Mike McCarthy told them but it worked because they scored sixteen unanswered points in the fourth quarter and then, um, re- I mean recovered an onside kick with guy with with like five Atlanta Falcons near the ball and they just kept backing away and they just allowed the Cowboys to get it, and which and, and that set up a, the game winning drive including the game winning field goal by by newly signed Greg Zerline with four seconds left uh i mean if i was i was like going crazy in the car like when i like when i saw when i saw um when i saw him like get that field goal or or when they got that on second i was going crazy like in the back of my mind i kind of had a feeling that they were gonna just somehow come back from this and once they scored that touchdown to get them on the board i'm like okay now we're gonna string together some points now and then little do i know they're they're just gonna win the game like that like that was that was an insane game excuse me probably one of the games of the year in my opinion but anyway going over to the sunday night football game which was the patriots versus the seahawks i mean that's just a classic matchup in general they face each other in a super bowl maybe even a couple super bowls i forgot if it was one or two or not but they're they're just they're just they're just like a, a crazy matchup every time they meet, and it was back and forth the entire night. It didn't dis- the it did dis- it didn't it did not disappoint the hype whatsoever. Uh, however, the Seahawks hang on for dear life to win, thirty five to thirty after uh, coming up on a um, on a on a goal to go stop uh, with Cam Newton running trying to run the ball in the end zone, but the Cowboys uh, Cowboys the Seahawks came came in with the stop. And clutched up and got the dub. That was that was a, that was a big win for them. But now the the Seahawks are facing my Cowboys, which we'll get into in a little bit. So, in two games, we have what is that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven undefeated teams. Some are kind of expected, but some are really surprising. Let me let me let me let me give you the outline: Steelers, Chiefs, Bears, Titans. Bills, Ravens, Rams, Raiders, Cardinals, Seahawks, and Packers. Uh, that, that that's a very interesting eleven teams. I mean, like I said, there were some expected teams that were going to probably go two and zero, like the Chiefs, Bills, and Ravens. But the but most of them were a complete surprise to me. Probably the two most, or actually three, the three most surprised 2-0 teams, in my opinion, are the Bears, the Raiders, and the Cardinals. First, let's go into the Bears. Like, I like I thought the Bears were just going to be, like, towards the bottom feeder area because, like, they're, they're, they're definitely not as good as they used to be. Like, but what they used to be was back in the 80s. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, the Bears are just not going to be that great. But, but when you go 2-0, like, that 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 really shocked me. And then the Raiders too. The Raiders were going to be the same thing as the Bears, like like bottom feeders are close to that. But then but then they just somehow win two games against the Panthers and the Saints, which are the um I think 
and it, uh, I, f- I forgot the division that they're in, but they're both in the same division. But when you when you win against the Saints, like your your coaching or your everything has to be like on point because when you have like I think not not Joe Brady, no, not, um, when you when you have Drew Brees at the quarterback spot and just throwing darts, um, I it, it, I think it's going to be a problem for your defense. But they really stepped up and uh, came up clutch, especially behind my guy Darren Waller. He's on my fantasy team, by the way. He got like six. He he think he got six catches, one hundred. No, that was like twelve catches, one hundred six, and a couple touchdowns. That's definitely gonna get the job done, especially for a, a great Raiders team. Uh, not a great Ra- Raiders team, but like good to the middle pack as of right now. Um, and also, um, going into a couple week three, uh, a week three matchup that happened. On Thursday, the Dolphins and the Jaguars. But uh, before the game started, I thought it was just going to be kind of a dud game, not really something to watch. But then I, but then I saw that Gilbert, Arizona native Ryan Fitzpatrick went off in this game. He had 198 total yards and three total touchdowns. That's crazy. I, I, I feel like he was the one who facilitated the entire game. And before, and and before that game, I was also thinking that like Tua was going to easily steal his job. But after I think Fitzpatrick um, just saved himself and is still hanging on for dear life for that job, but it, I only but I only think it's going to be a matter of time before he's going to fall and uh, to a to retakes that spot in that um, Dolphins uh, QB one spot. Um, now now let's go into the uh, games to watch on Sunday. Um, the first, I have the Cowboys versus the Seahawks. Um, I mentioned I mentioned these guys earlier. Two teams that barely squeaked out Ws. I think it'll be an offensive slugfest. I mean, when you have two really good uh, passers like, excuse me, Russell Wilson and uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, I think Dak Prescott leads the leads the league in passing yards, and Wilson leads the league in touchdowns. So, when when you have those two guys uh, doing what they're doing, it's going to be a slugfest slug fest it's gonna be so much fun to watch i mean i said i said this about the redskins versus cardinals game and we all know how that went but make sure you're glued to the tv because this is gonna be a fun fun game to watch on sunday it's gonna be a lot of fun um sunday and monday actually games to watch on sunday and monday we'll get into the monday night football uh matchup later um next we got the rams versus the bills this this, this is a matchup of two and oh teams uh, we they have two great QBs um, having great starts. First, you have Jared Goff on the Rams throwing 532 yards and three touchdowns. Not um, not bad. They they kind of been using the bootleg a lot in I think the uh, the week one game. I'm not I didn't really watch their uh, week two game from uh, when they faced the Eagles, but I think from what I saw, like they were using a lot of play action, and and I think that's what they're trying to go for. They're trying to change some stuff around their playbook because last year they they just didn't do well so i think they needed to have a change of scenery and a change of playbook in order to have them succeed now going on to buffalo uh this is josh allen i i, I was i was high on him too josh allen was probably gonna be uh, probably gonna have um as good of a season as last year if not better than last year and he's already energy and he's already proving me right um Oh wait, no, my bad. Uh, Dak Prescott doesn't lead the league in yards. Josh Allen does. My bad. Uh, he has 727 yards and uh, six touchdowns. 
and he ran for 76 yards and a touchdown. So he's been getting it done with the arm and the legs. So I'm really excited to see what he can do against the Rams. And I think this is going to be another slugfest too, in my opinion. But I think the last, yeah, the last like one o'clock game uh, that I that we have on this slate is uh, Raiders versus the Pats. Wait, yeah, it's the last four, four uh, last one o'clock game. Uh, Raiders versus the Pat, uh, the Patriots. Um, after their second straight win against the Saints, the Raiders did. Uh, they, they're, I think they're starting to turn the corner and uh, be something. Just kind of just stringing together wins and getting the job done. Um, however, I think they have a really tough test with Cam, uh, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots in Foxborough. In their in their first game, they won, which 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 was against the Dolphins. Which is, I mean, they're the Dolphins, but I mean, it doesn't matter. Like if like Foxborough can be a kind of a hostile environment with or without fans because you have Super Bowl uh, rafters all over the place and you're like, oh my God, this can be so intimidating. But I, we'll see what happens. We'll see, if, we'll see if the Raiders can get the job done again and just be, be the total underdogs this season. Um, but Cam Newton has just been scary this entire season. Um, he's had 552 yards uh, and, and a touchdown when it comes to the arm. And he's had 122 rushing yards and four touchdowns with his legs. So they've kind of been using him with his legs a lot, running running around a lot. But I think uh, I, I think they should change the playbook around and kind of just focus more on his arm more than his legs because there's a high risk of injury. And they obviously don't want him to get injured because of how good he's been playing so far. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens in this game. I'm really excited. This is going to be a definitely um, be interesting to watch. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, the Pats have com- uh, the Patriots have a, com- a combined fifty one points so far this season, so they're going to score on offense. They're going to Cam Newton's kind of just bringing that new mojo to that offense that Tom Brady. Can- I don't I, w- I don't want to say he like lackluster on because he's obviously probably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but I I think Cam just brings his charisma to that offense. I think there's just going to be that chemistry is going to be flowing, uh, overflowing I should say, um, and just kind of firing on all cylinders. Um, now the Sunday night, the Sunday night football game this week we have the Packers versus the Saints. This is going to be a Super Bowl forty four rematch where I think the Saints won that Super Bowl. Yeah, I think so. Um, so obviously going to be a, a must watch when you got Aaron Rodgers going up against Drew Brees. Obviously, two like future Hall of Famers. Obviously, probably two future first ballot Hall of Famers to be honest. Um, hopefully. Rodgers can get a little bit of a revenge for that L against them in the Super Bowl. Um, I but I, uh, but I do think the Saints will be still a little flustered from that uh, shocking loss against the Raiders, uh, and I think this will be a perfect opportunity for the uh, Packers to go to, to to keep the train rolling and go three and zero on the season. Um, I know, I, uh, and this and this is a really must watch for me. But I think the next one is probably going to be the game of the year. And let me t- let me let me let me tell you what it's going down. Let me let me let me break this down real quick. All right. So we got the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Ravens on Monday night. You got two of the top AFC teams in the uh, AFC teams in the NFL going at it. It's going to be a heavyweight match. It's going to be just blows back and forth. When I saw this matchup, I'm like, hmm, this might be a kind of a replication of that. Chiefs Rams game at the Coliseum a couple years ago 
when the Rams won 54-51. It was just a slugfest, like, back and forth. Mahomes and Goff were just keep throwing, like, bomb, like deep bombs to their receivers. Like, in my opinion, like, that, that Monday Night Football game was probably one of the best games in NFL history. And... And and, and and when and when your matchup kind of just like gets the expectation, like you gotta meet it. And I, and I think and I think the hype and and I, and I think the hype for this game will will not be disappointed or taken a dent for at all. This this game is gonna be such a fun one to watch. I'm really excited to see how everything plays out. Now going over the college side, we got big news coming out of Pac-12. Let me just take a sip of water real quick, guys. Hold on. All right, I'm back. Um, so, the Pac-12 has returned on November 6th with a seven-game schedule. That means all five of the Power Five uh, conferences or leagues, I guess you would say, are playing at the same time. Originally, it was supposed to be like three because, um, yeah, originally it was supposed to be like three, but then the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have sort of realized that, like, Oh, if everyone else is doing it, like we got, we got to still be competitive. Like we can't just like lose out on this opportunity because we're gonna lose so much money and like funding and whatnot. So the Big Ten, the, the excuse me, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are coming back. All five are back. I'm really excited to see what this is, where this is gonna go. And um, the big storyline is with Herbert and uh, uh, Herbert, the former QB of uh, Oregon. And uh, Zach Moss, the former QB for uh, QB um, running back for Utah, University of Utah, leaving for the NFL, that opens up a lot of chances for, excuse me, teams to kind of rise from the ashes and sort of uh, take what's theirs in that uh, conference, including um, Arizona State. I know that might sound biased because uh, I like this team a lot, um, but they they got a really good chance to surprise some people, in my opinion. They got like one of the best dual threat player uh, quarterbacks in the country in Jaden Daniels. He's had uh, last year, <clears throat> excuse me, he had three thousand two hundred and ninety-eight yards last year as a dual threat quarterback. Like I said, and he's had twenty touchdowns. That's that's a really really good year for a college quarterback. And it's and, and this guy was his and this guy was in his true freshman year last year. Just just imagine what he like did for his workout regiment during the COVID pandemic. Or, and, it's, and it's still going on right now, but like during like lockdown and quarantine, he's probably still getting that work in. And just just imagine how fast he's going to be, how how his deep ball is going to be better, like how his like uh, short pass are going to be better, medium pass is going to be better, like all all facets of his game is going to be better. So I'm really excited to see what Jaden Daniels brings to the table and maybe bring up his draft stock like Joe Burrow. Hey, it's happened before. Maybe it'll happen again. We'll see. Um, on the wide receiver side, I mean, you look at uh, at the wide receiver core. The first thing that comes to mind immediately is Brandon Ayuk. He got drafted, I think, in like the late first round to the Niners. I mean, he's been a really good receiver and for ASU for a long, long time, and it's going to be hard to replace. But I think this guy can definitely get the job done. His name is Frank Darby. He's a New Jersey native. I think he's from Jersey City. You got to remember this guy's name because he can be something special in the near future. In his junior year last year, I think he's going into his senior year this year. 616 yards and eight touchdowns as the wide receiver too. When you're when you're getting the when you're when you're spraying the ball to a guy like Ayuk and Darby as well, like that was a nasty receiving core last year. But now that Ayuk's in the NFL, Darby has to has to kind of lead that receiver core, and I think he has the a great ability to do that. 
So I'm really excited to see what he can do this year as well. Uh, they, they don't just have good returning players, but they also have a godly recruiting staff, in my opinion. Um, they scooped up seven of the top 35 players in California, according to ESPN, including two, two, two of the top 10 in Daniel Ngata, I think his name is, and, uh, what, uh, and, and Johnny Wilson. Ngata's a running back and Wilson's a wide receiver. That, I, I, I think that makes up for the loss of uh, Benjamin and IU for sure. Um, I feel like I feel like they're gonna really be something special this year. Uh, I might I might I might see bias like I said earlier because I root for this team, but I think this team is probably the more one of the more underrated teams in the in college football. Maybe even the uh, the most underrated team. Hey, we just we just got to see how things play out. But for right now, I got my guys forks up, Sun Devils all the way. Give give me give me my Sun Devils. Give me my Sun Devils. Um, now shifting things over to the Diamond. We got some postseason clinchers from all over the map, from the AL to the NL, from the East to the West. We got a massive postseason clincher, so sit tight. We're, we're going on a little bit of a ride here, so so just sit back, relax, and enjoy, man. So the uh, so the first clincher that I got was the Minnesota Twins, or first of the ones that were not recorded from last week, if that makes sense. Uh, the Minnesota Twins. They had they have, they have a good team, a great offense, and Byron Buxton's having a comeback year. He's he's ha- he's he's having a weird comeback year, uh, according to the street. But and um, Nelson Cruz has had a surprising year for his age. He's he's hit like a, a, ton, a ton of uh, tanks this year, so maybe he can he can ramp things up in the postseason, and we'll see what happens with them. I feel like they're going to be some something pretty good, but not that far. I mean, they're the twins. They don't really go that far in the postseason, to be honest with you. But the next one, I I had them going um on the next on the next team to clinch, but I got I got I will yeah my bad. Um, the next one was the San Diego Padres. They clinched for the first time in fourteen years. They have a great team, just just like the White Sox, like I mentioned that last episode. Um, I think I think they could be a force to be reckoned with this postseason for sure. When you have Tatis going off for the first half of the year and kind of just dipping down a little bit, hopefully he can get back get back up again. Machado was def- you could make the case that he's a def- uh, definite MVP candidate. You got Cronenworth who's going to be the rookie of the year. You got Will Myers um, and um, what's his name Eric Cosmer having two great comeback seasons. Both of them could definitely be in the comeback player of the year conversation along with Corey Seager. Uh, so yeah, this 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 team is definitely going to be a force to reckon with. Like I said last episode, I think it, uh, I think it could be the Padres versus the White Sox in the World Series. I just I'm just high on both of those teams. And hey, like like base like baseball needs to grow in some way. So why not have like two under the radar teams go ahead and face each other and just get hot at the right time and and trade some blows. So I'm excited for that. But shifting over to the East Coast now, my Yankees clinched. Uh, it's been kind of up and down all season. They dealt with a bunch of injuries, like they like they did last year. Um, but they got all their guys back, so we'll see if they can ride the good wave and get their guys back and ready to roll. Also, um, in my opinion, like there's there's the, Luke Voigt, that first baseman. He's been insane for for the Yankees this year. He's hit like I think 21 bombs this year. 
like 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 he like he can definitely be in the MVP conversation for sure when you have that type of season. Like he's, I think he's like probably unanimously unanimously going to get that silver slugger spot at that position for sure at first base. Uh, next we got next we're going to Illinois to Chicago, the other team in Chicago I should say the North Side. The Chicago Cubs just clinched a spot after missing the playoffs last year. Uh, to me, what was so interesting about this was because. They didn't make any moves in the offseason and somehow won as much as they did. So, I mean, kudos to that front office and Theo Epstein for sticking with their guys and knowing the potential that they have and making like little under-the-radar roster move um, moves of the trade deadline. But, hey, the Cubs could just come around and start getting hot, swinging some bats. Uh, Wilson Contreras like did this crazy bat flip, just flipped it to the moon, <laughs> like... I think he had two bombs that night or last night. So, I mean, the Cubs might just be an interesting team to just go crazy in the postseason. Um, now they're uh, 2016 World Series counterparts. The Cleveland Indians clinched their spot in the postseason with the Jose Ramirez walk-off homer the other night. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about him and their pitcher a little later. Um, they they probably had the same up and down season as the Yankees, but the only difference is they have two MVP MVP candidates instead of one: Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber. Um, Shane Bieber's been pitching on a triple crown watch, um, which is where you lead the uh, league in ERA, strikeouts, and wins. <clears throat> so. He has eight wins, a one sixty, a one six three ERA, and hundred and one hundred and twenty two Ks. So, this 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 man's on another level. Like he's been on another on on another level all year this year. So he's going to be something special. And like I like I said, he could win the Cy, Cy Young and MVP like Kershaw did back in fourteen. But we'll see what happens on the on the on the batter's box. You got um. Jose Ramirez, he's been on fire at the dish lately. He has a 292 average, 17 homers, 46 RBIs, and a 992 OPS this entire season. Um, I think he kind of kind of declined a little bit the first half. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he he definitely ascended in the second half and really started getting into the groove with his swings and starting to put the ball in the bat harder and into the gaps and all that. So He's going to be a very interesting player to watch this year. And um, when you got those two guys coming at their best against their team, you might as well just turn off the TV because you know you're going to take a like a big old L. You know you're going to take a big old L when you face these guys. So the next team I got here is the Toronto Blue Jays. They clinched their first postseason spot in, 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 since 2016. It may seem like they could get rocked in the first round, but... If this team strings together a couple wins, they they might just sneak uh, uh just uh, sneak around and play around and get into that second round and hell, hell maybe even go as far as like the Heat are are doing in this in these uh, playoffs. But we'll get to them later. Um, next one I got is Cincinnati and is the Cincinnati Reds clinching their first spot in the postseason since 2013. That's that's a long time ago. That's that's when like jo- that's when like Joey Votto was still in his prime. Like, that's crazy. And he's, like, what, like, 50 years old now? So, that's crazy. Um, they've been a little up and down this season as well, but I think they have a Cy Young winner in Trevor Bauer. I mean, 
when you're doing like the Conor McGregor walk and just showing that much passion on the mound every fifth day, this this last start he was on three days rest. Like you got to do whatever it takes to get the win, and that and that's what my guy Trevor Bauer does. He brings a whole nother level to baseball that that we need to make this game grow. We need him and Tatis to keep being themselves in order for people to go, oh, baseball's a fun sport to watch. I want to be like them, right? Yeah, I want to be like them, right? I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Then, um, <laughs> just, just as I say that, um, the next team, which you probably shouldn't be in the future, you shouldn't be cheating on things, but the Houston Astros clinched their first spot for the fourth straight season. Boo, boo! I don't. No one likes the Astros. I'm not even biased because I'm a Yankees fan, and they and they and they screwed us over in the 17 division series. But like, no one likes you. Like, I mean, I mean, they're they're they were sputtering for the majority of the season. But um, when you, but I gotta say it. I just have to. When you have George Springer, Bregman, and Altuve playing at their best, like you just can't stop them. Along with Michael Brantley too. Michael Brantley has been like kind of making his own little resurgence uh, as well. So maybe he can be a little something. All right. Last but definitely not least, I would have honestly, if you would have, if you would have told me that this team was going to make the postseason after what they did last year, I would have said that you were the craziest person alive. But the team that made it. For the first time since they won it all in 2003 are the Miami Marlins. This like like this is when you know 2020 just got even weirder. The Miami Marlins are in the postseason. Man, that is so weird to say. So weird. One guy I have my eye on for uh, for this guy, for this team is Sixto Sanchez. He's been he's been balling on another another level. I think, I think last time I checked he had like a one like a like a like a high high one ERA, that's really good for a rookie. Like like he could definitely casually get himself in that rookie of the year conversation. But I mean, Jake Cronenworth is just too much. Like in this season, he's he's just too much. Um, now we got the division winners. Uh, so far we have the A's, the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Rays clutching that Western and the Eastern divisions in both leagues respectively. We're still waiting on both of the Central divisions to announce a winner. So I'm gonna give you my predictions now before it gets too late. <laughs> um, in my opinion, the AL Central winner will be the Cleveland Indians. I mentioned I mentioned um, Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber earlier. When you have two MVP candidates on one team, it is just so hard to stop you, especially with like Cesar Hernandez just somehow like getting a couple hits and big uh, clutch hits in, in the last couple games to get get them some big big time wins. So this 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 team's got the AL Central. Like I mean I would I would have probably said like the White Sox with like 30 games into the season, but the Indians have picked it up at the right time and I and I think they'll get I, and I think they're going to get their division win that they really deserve. Over to the National League now. I think the Cubs uh Got it locked up. I think they might be able to clinch it tonight for if the um, if if they win or somebody else lo- loses or something. But the fight for second place is insane. The second, third, and fourth fourth place teams are only separated. I think of as of like like two games. They're 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 separated by only two games. As of this morning, that's insane. Oh my god, that's insane. 
like in my opinion i think this i think this race will come down to the like the second place race will come down to the last day in my opinion and now that second that the second spot is even more important because if you look at that postseason standings you have to have the division winner the second place division winner from each division and then you have the two wildcard teams so that second place spot is a lot more important this year and i love that they have this like eight seeded thing like the nba does i'm really excited to see what this format uh does and kind of just changes baseball for the better maybe hmm. who knows um and uh and uh uh wait let me see uh okay um so we um we have a we have a retirement to go over um following the end of this season alex alex gordon will be retiring after spending his entire 14-year career with the royals he was uh, picked number two overall in the 05 draft. Actually, fun fact, he actually changed positions in 2010 from third base to left field, in which his career would just, and, and that change, that position change was for the absolute better because he's, he, ever since that position change, he's probably been one of the best Royals of all time, um, like besides jo, uh, George Brett. He became a seven-time Gold Glove winner including a platinum glove in 2014 which means that you're the best defender out of all of the gold glove winners that year um at their at their positions and a three-time wilson defensive player of the year um he's also he's also had the most outfield assists or just assists in general since 2010 with 101. assists in baseball are kind of like basketball in a way they're like plays where you throw out a runner, like it's kind of just like you know how the shortstop just picks up a ground ball and throws out the runner. That's kind of like that, but when you're in the outfield, it's like a hundred times harder to try and throw somebody out trying to run to that next base. And if you have like a hundred and one, like assist, like that, like you're you're definitely doing something right at the left fielder spot. And not many left fielders are there's not many good left fielders, especially right now too. They kind of just hide their best hitters in left field and hopefully and pray to God that they can make a play. But Alex Gordon is like the the inverted version of that. Like he's really good at defense and kind of iffy at offense, but he's he's definitely he's definitely up there in the franchise record books for offense. He's fourth in home runs, fifth in doubles, sixth in ribbies and hits, and has the record for most leadoff home runs with 14. In case you don't know what a leadoff home run is, it's kind of like when the first batter due up or in the or, or, or in the lineup gets gets a home run. So it's it's I mean it's pretty uncommon, like unless if you have it's it's kinda just like a regular batter, but the, the but the only like possessed thing about it is is that you're leading off a game and if you're like the first pitch of the game out, that's a kind of like a leadoff home run. Or just like whatever pitch and you're the first batter due up, that's a that's a leadoff home run. Uh now let's look back at some of his top moments from his career. Uh, so in Game 1 of the 2015 World Series against the Mets, Mets, which his team would eventually win, he had a game-tying home run against a 97-mile-an-hour, I think, sinker from Jerry's Familia. That, it's a center field that would, that, would, that would set up like five extra more innings. And in the 14th inning, they got a walk-off sacrifice fly to win, uh, to win that game and eventually win the series. So... If, if, if Gordon didn't hit that game-tying home run, then who knows what happened in the series. Maybe the Mets just could have all of a sudden just clamped up and, and got the job done and won, and, and won the World Series if it wasn't for that home run. 
So that, if you think about it, that was actually a really, really big moment in Royals history. Um, and then, uh, and then a nice little endearing moment on uh, April twelfth, two thousand nineteen. He went, he went four for five with a homer, two doubles, and three ribbies against the I think the Indians to honor his friend Charlie Walsh, who was still battling with cancer as of November twenty nineteen. Um, I I don't know if he's still battling cancer. Or if he's cancer-free as of right now, and uh, but cancer has been a big far a, a, a big part of my family's uh, of, of my family's life and my life as well. And to see Gordon fight for something greater than himself is just amazing. Um, he's I think he's been an all-time great for the Royals and will definitely cement his place among Royals among Royal Royals loyalty if that, if that makes uh, uh, whatever. Um, along with the likes of George Brett. And the baseball world will dip, deeply miss him out on the diamond. He's been a cornerstone for that franchise for a long time. So it's going to be sad to see him go. But, hey, the man's got to do what the man's got to do, all right? Now we're going over to the court. And these these uh, conference finals games have just been insane. I, I haven't been watching, like, any baseball. And I usually watch baseball a lot. Because basketball has just grabbed my attention and just, like, has my eyes glued for so long. It's so much fun to watch playoff basketball this year. I mean, I mean, if you wanna if you wanna watch basketball and haven't gotten into it yet, this is the perfect time to do it because it just grabs your attention. They're in like a unlikely atmosphere, of course, because of this pandemic is so unlikely in every way. But these these playoff series have just been insanity, insanity. Like, let's let's I mean I mean let's I mean let's break it down real quick. Let's break this thing down real quick. This Heat versus Celtics Easter Conference Final Series has been insane, especially, I think it was a couple nights ago. The Celtics realized, <clears throat> or wait, no, it was last night, my bad. No, wait. Yeah, I think it was last night. Um, the Celtics realized that they had to stay alive after Tyler Hero's crazy performance on the bench game four. We all know he scored 37, most since like D-Wade, we already know that story. Uh, so the Celtics were like, we, we got we got to we got to carry this team on our back, and we and we, and we got to win this game. We have to win this game. This was this was a must-win game for the Celtics because if they lose, the Heat are going to the finals. So their best players had to show up, and 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 probably their best player showed up the most, which was Jason Tatum. He dropped 31 points, 10 rebounds, and six assists. And he's always been a second-half star. He's kind of he's always kind of like sputtered in the first half, especially in Game Four. Because if you look at that game four, he was like he was he had like zero points, which <clears throat> in the first half, which which was the first time that's happened in his entire career. So in this playoffs, he's always been a second half star. I think he's dropped like twenty points in both both second halves of game four and now game five. So and he's just gonna be scary. Like in the second half, you better watch out. You better clamp this man up because he'll he'll just he'll just like make a nice little three over your like outstretched hand trying to close out like boy oh boy like pat riley and eric spolish will need to talk some sense into this heat team um but i but i think they can get the job done they just they just need to talk to him they need to they need to get back to their winning ways they kind of just like got too relaxed and just weren't playing on defense and think they and, and think and thought they still had the job done but the job's never finished as kobe would have said the job is not finished until it's finished so I think with a little talking to from the coach and Pat Riley, 
they'll, they'll get back to that uh, heat culture that they that they've always been for so long, and then and then they'll get into the finals. Now shifting over from coast to coast to the west, um, the Lakers and the Nuggets. The Lakers are up three one now on the Nuggets. The question is, can they get the job done tonight, or can the Nuggets find their way to be another team in a three one deficit? In my opinion, the Cinderella series, uh, the Cinderella season of the Nuggets, will end tonight. The Lakers are going to the finals for the first time since 2010, when Kobe won his final title in LA. That means I got the Heat versus the Celtics in the finals. I, like, who would who would have thought? Like, again, 2020 just is being weird. Who would have thought that the Heat would be facing would would been would have been facing the Lakers in the finals? And barring if that actually happens. That that's going to be filled with storylines about Bron facing his facing the team that got him the majority of his championships, which was two with D Wade and Chris Bosh. Um, those are the glory days. So he so Bron might get a little flustered and remember about those glory days. Kind of just sit back and go, ah man, when we were celebrating with that champagne in the locker room, like we were doing it. We we were having so much fun and kind of just sit back. But then he's gonna be Bron and just turn on. When, when the lights come on and just kind of go off, go for like a 40-point triple-double here and there. Like, see, Bronch is going to be Braun. I'm, I'm not worried about Braun. And finally, out of the out of the Chicago now, um, the, 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 the Chicago Bulls have a new head coach. Um, and it's, and it's kind of eh for me. They hired Billy Donovan. Um, I, th- I think they hired him because of the the spark that he gave to the Thunder when they lost like Paul George, when they lost Westbrook. Uh, they they just had a really bad off season, and Billy Donovan kind of needed to talk some sense into that team. And and look where they are now. They they almost they 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 went to seven games against a really good Houston Rockets team with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. So that's that's pretty much an accomplishment if you ask me. But. Hey, hopefully Billy Donovan can be that underdog that he's always been and give the Bulls something, um, give the Bulls like some marketing and 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 have fans have fans get some eyes on them. So we'll see what happens. Um, finally, I got you guys with the baller of the week this week, and I got I got my guy Justin Herbert. My dad likes the Chargers because he used to live in San Diego when they used to call this be the, called the San Diego Chargers, but now they moved to L.A. Um, and just and anyway, back to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert was like completely shocked. He, I think he got, I think he thought his coaches were joking when they said that he was gonna start. Um, like I, I think he probably knew like with seconds left before kickoff because I think Tyrod Taylor had like his his lung punctured. Excuse me, he had his lung punctured because the doctors were worried he was gonna get a lung injury, but. And they, but but they already gave it to him because they punctured his lung too much and it like hurt. So, and then Justin Herbert just showed up when the spotlight came on. Um, although his team lost, I think he, uh, he really showed out. Actually, actually, he shouldn't have been. Yeah, yeah, he shouldn't have been starting in the first place because of Tyrod Taylor being their legit starter. Because Anthony Lynn was like, if Tyrod Taylor is ready to go 100%, we're going with him no matter what. Doesn't matter what Justin Herbert did. That's in the past. I'm like. Bro, like, if 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 a quarterback like that is gonna win you games, put him in. See see how he does against better teams. Well, well, the Chiefs are probably the best team in football, and he still did what he needed to do to get the job done. 
So, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how else you need to approve approve your coach to do that. So, let's let's just break down a stat line real quick and let me give you some insight onto why this is totally bogus. 22 for 33 passing, 311 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Now, granted that interception was kind of like just a lofty one, like kind of a rookie mistake, but the rest of the way, like this man was on another level. In my opinion, in my opinion, this man was on just a crazy amount of other levels. But hey, I, I just, I just, I just don't know why you would like not want to put him in any more than you already have been. But hey, coaches are coaches are coaches. Sometimes they have they have their own mental space, they have their own like game plan that they want to do. So hey, I'm I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the coach wants if if he wants to do it that way. That's fine with me. So that just about wraps up the fifth episode of the House of Balls podcast. I haven't been, I haven't been saying this as often as I should, but please subscribe. Please drop a follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Yeah.